Nobody has ever emerged on the world stage that fits the full description of the man of lawlessness, who is also known in Revelation as the beast. The Bible says the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Antiochus Epiphanes prefigured the future Antichrist when he brought tyranny upon the Jews. Adolf Hitler and others like him enacted terrible atrocities against humanity. But these despots will look like Girl Scouts compared to the real son of destruction when he rises to power on planet Earth following the rapture of the church. Until then, the Bible says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Are you being deceived by what is false? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day of the Lord will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Hello and welcome into this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. Just who is this man of lawlessness? What is keeping him from emerging on the world scene? Find out next as Ron takes us to 2 Thessalonians in his continuing series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip to the Bible. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. And besides, I say that the, uh, the best way to interpret scripture is with other scripture. Okay, just comparing scripture with scripture. When Paul says that the man of lawlessness in verse five takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God, our minds should race to Daniel chapter nine, verses 24 to 27, which uh, packs <laughs> the timeline of world history all the way to the end of the age in a very succinct prophecy and that speaks of someone who will take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God at the end of the age. You say, what temple? The temple that has yet to be built in Jerusalem, that I believe will be built during the tribulation period. Based on Daniel's breathtaking prophecy, Jesus refers to the detestable actions of the man of lawlessness as the abomination of desolation. Yeah, this guy, who comes to power on the world scene, negotiates peace in the Middle East and peace and safety for the Jewish people and even somehow we, we would suggest and imply a way for them to rebuild their temple, ultimately walks into that temple, desecrates it and sets himself up to be worshiped as God. This is known as the abomination of desolation. It's a phrase associated with an evil world leader known as the Antichrist. So all of that to suggest that the man of lawlessness that Paul speaks of here in 2 Thessalonians chapter two is none other than the Antichrist, the devil-possessed anarchist, a lawless man, a man who, who casts aside right and wrong and the rule of law and order and all of that, 
He's mentioned in both Old and New Testament prophecies. Now, with the Antichrist in mind, let's continue reading Paul's words in chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. He says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Again, he's clarifying their confusion. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in this time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Who is he who now restrains the man of lawlessness and the mystery of lawlessness? I'll come back to that. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because, listen to this, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who, do not, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's a lot going on there, so let me un unpack it as best as I can. Nobody has ever emerged on the world stage that fits the full description of the man of lawlessness who was also known in the book of Revelation as the beast. Uh, you can go back to uh, the first and second century BC, that time we call the intertestamental period, the time between Malachi and Matthew, and there was uh, a figure known as Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Epiphanes was a moniker he gave himself, meaning I am God. You know, I mean, what an egomaniac. Uh, he took control and bludgeoned the Jewish people, desecrating their uh, worship and their temple and all of that. He was a prefiguring of the future Antichrist, but not the man of lawlessness. In our time, uh, Adolf Hitler and other uh, despots like him have done much harm to the Jewish people and enacted terrible atrocities upon humanity. But these, these despots and many others like them will, will look like Girl Scouts compared to the son of destruction that is revealed on this earth following the rapture and, and during that seven-year period of time known as the tribulation, Jacob's trouble, and uh, Daniel's 70th week, which is mentioned in Daniel 9, 24 uh, to 27. Until then, Paul says, oh, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It was at work 2,000 years ago. Do you see it at work today? Dare I say, defund the police the mystery of lawlessness. I mean, casting aside not just common sense, but the rule of law. Oh, the Antichrist who is to come will step into a world. It, it's, like, it's like, you know, a shoe that just fits so smoothly and so easily. He'll step in to, to enact all kinds of lawlessness uh, and, uh, and destruction. Uh, Paul also talks about he who restrains 
the man of lawlessness and the mystery of lawlessness right now. Because believe it or not, as much as our world is falling away and spinning out of control seemingly right before our very eyes, it's restrained. It's on a leash. It's held back. Who is he who restrains lawlessness? Well, let me just cut to the chase. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit restrains the man of lawlessness until the appointed time. Paul says, but when he who now restrains is out of the way, well, that's when evil will flood this earth like the world has never known. He says, because the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Satan will possess this most charismatic leader that comes onto the world scene. I say following a great crisis, think of the rapture, where millions of believers in Jesus Christ disappear, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye, just that fast, poof, gone. And I give it, oh, 30 days at best before world economies crash because all the workers are gone. And what do you do with the crisis? Well, you make the best of it you can. Somebody will rise on the world scene and say, it's all right, everybody, I've got a plan. And part of that plan will be peace and safety for everybody, including the Jewish people. And the book of Revelation and elsewhere t tells us that this man of destruction, the son of destruction, the man of lawlessness, the beast, the antichrist, whatever you want to call him, uh, will negotiate you know, a peaceful settlement in the Middle East uh, for the first three and a half years, then will turn. And he'll step into that temple, desecrate it, and set himself up to be worshiped as God. Why? Because that's what Satan's always wanted. That's what, he's always wanted the worship that only God deserves. And that's why he fell away and took one-third of the angelic realm with him, the Scripture says. It's by the activity of Satan. With false signs and wonders, the devil will deceive those who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. You say, well, how will so many people be deceived by, you know, the lies of the Antichrist? Well, Paul goes on to say, God will send them a delusion. Basically, those who have already rejected the truth and the revelation of God in all the ways it described, God says, fine, I, I, I'm going to send a delusion. You're going to be so deluded, you'll, you'll, you'll believe the wildest of things, the craziest of things. And we're seeing a lead up to that right now. It's not hard to imagine this. Uh, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, it might have been harder to imagine all of this, but we, we, are, whoo, we are accelerating, are we not? This is not the apostasy. It's not the falling away. But when the restrainer is lifted, and when does that happen? It happens at the rapture. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. 
When you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good is a listener-supported media ministry, meaning it's your prayers and financial support that make it possible. And today, for your gift to Something Good Radio, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series you're hearing right now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the Pauline epistles and will be glad to give you access to this resource when you make a donation to Something Good. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good radio message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. When the restrainer is taken out of the way, uh, the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. Now he doesn't live in trees and bushes and clouds. He lives inside of the church, believers in Jesus Christ. If the restrainer says, I'm out of here, guess who's going with him? Okay, this is one of the arguments for the rapture of the church prior to the tribulation. We're not destined for wrath. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come, and the restrainer leaves, and we go with him. But right now, he's, held, you know, he's restraining the evil. You think it's bad now? You wait until there are no restraints on evil, none whatsoever. And this man of lawlessness, whose activities are the activity of Satan, has free reign to pour out all kinds of evil on this world. Well, you can read about that in Revelation chapter six through 19, of all that happens and all the judgments of God and the wrath of God that pours out upon this world. Leading up to that time, what Paul is saying in chapter two to believers is stand firm. Stand firm in the truth. It'll be harder and harder to do that. You'll be called this and called that and you know, but you stand firm, walk worthy, stand firm. And then in chapter three, wait patiently and work hard. Paul's clarification about the day of the Lord was hopefully enough to comfort the Thessalonians, but was it enough to change the way they lived? Well, some had foolishly quit their jobs in anticipation of the Lord's soon coming. Can you imagine that? Hey, Jesus is coming soon. He could come tomorrow. Yeah, we talk about the imminent return of Jesus. It was as imminent for them as it is for us 2,000 years later. There's nothing else that needs to happen on the prophetic calendar before the rapture of the church. He could come in the twinkling of an eye before the end of our time together. Some took that to mean, oh, I don't need to work anymore. They quit their jobs and uh, stopped working and decided to wait in idleness for the coming of the Lord. Well, Paul addresses the situation in chapter three, beginning in verse six. He says, now we command you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. What tradition is Paul talking about? Well, he goes on to describe how when, when we were with you, me and my ministry team, we worked hard. 
We worked hard day and night. They were tent makers. That's how they earned their living so that they could then, you know, help fund their ministry and so forth. That's the tradition they received from us. He goes on to say, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Oh, I wish the welfare policy people in Washington, D.C. would read this. I'm all for a hand up, not a hand out. Welfare to work works. Don't come to this country looking for a hand out. Come looking for a hand up, a safety net, that's fine. But work, work. America works when Americans work. This is a biblical principle and it's being slaughtered by the socialists and communists today that are infiltrating our country. Paul said it straight up, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. There's compassion in that because God made us to work and there's dignity and value in work. Hand up, not a hand out. For we hear that some among you, he says, walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Well, that's what happens when you don't fill your days with work. You just, you're a busybody. You have nothing else to do. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Paul knew the stakes were high. And uh, he uses the word command four times in chapter 3 to raise his rhetoric and to get their attention and our attentions. Christians cannot afford to wait in idleness until Jesus returns. You know, if the Thessalonians did that, they would have waited all their lives and accomplished nothing because he didn't return 2,000 years ago. We're still waiting for his return. Walking worthily, standing firm, waiting patiently and expectantly, and working hard. Nobody knows the day or the hour of Jesus' coming, but his coming is as imminent for us, as it was 2,000 years ago. And if you think, well, that's just a long time and the Lord is delaying, well, remember Peter. He said, you know, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, and a day is like a thousand years. We just have to understand the Lord's timing in things. Uh, believers in Jesus should expect Christ to come back today and to lean into that and to live with that expectation. How, how would you live differently if you knew for a fact he was coming by 3 p.m. today? That changed the way you live. But when he comes, he expects to find us occupied by the work he gave us to do. Okay? Uh, we should wait patiently and expectantly until he comes. And Paul reminded them again that those who do not work should not expect others to feed them. He ends his letter with a final warning to those who do not obey his teaching, uh, followed by a wonderful benediction uh, at the end there. And all of it reminds me of a song that we sang a little bit earlier uh, in the service, one of, my, one of my favorites. It talks about how like a bride waiting for her groom, will be the church waiting for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come, even so come. 
The Apostle John, when he finished the book of Revelation, offered that as a prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Until then, walk worthy, stand firm, wait patiently and expectantly, work hard. And one more thing, this is not inspired scripture, it just comes from me. When you find yourself in the doctor's waiting office, (laughs) in his waiting room, Understand that um, Christ is coming back sooner than you think. And maybe, just maybe, the doctor will beat him, all right? And if not, that's all right, that's all right. You know, you're snatched up to be with the Lord. Let's review it again. Walk worthy, stand firm, wait patiently and expectantly, and work hard until he comes. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me in studio. And Ron, one of the big ideas here in 2 Thessalonians is this future time of rebellion and lawlessness unlike anything we've ever witnessed. When you look at what's going on now in this culture, it's hard to imagine things getting worse. But that's what will happen at some point, is it not? There's no question about it, Brian. I wish I had better news, but it will be far, far worse. Imagine driving on a winding road with no guardrails. That's what it's like in a lawless world and what it will be like when the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, takes full control of the earth following the rapture of the church. At the same time, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, called the Restrainer in Scripture, says pretty much, I'm out of here, as he departs with the church. Imagine his voice taken away. Imagine no uh, church defending the unborn or the sanctity of marriage. Imagine no one, at least at first, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing people a better way to live. And now imagine God also sending a strong delusion to those who have already rejected him, so that the people left behind are easy prey for the Antichrist. Well, Brian, it's not hard to imagine how depravity will run wild on planet Earth at that time. As I've said before, uh, this lawlessness and this strong delusion will be ushered in by the rapture of the church. But let me follow that up with two quick but critical points. Uh, First, the rapture can happen at any time, at any moment. It's imminent. Uh, Nothing else has to take place on God's prophetic calendar to pave the way for the rapture and ultimately the Lord's second coming. Uh, There's no longer the need to say this thing or that thing must happen first before Jesus comes back. So this age of total lawlessness and strong delusion could happen at any moment as well. And that is why today is the day of salvation, Brian. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today, right this minute. And that's why, as we find ourselves living in what I believe to be the last of the last days, uh, we need to make sure we're telling as many people as we can about the salvation that is available to them through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because, Brian, a day is coming, and it may be sooner than we think, when salvation will no longer be an option. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from today's message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Returns. Before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Yes, and thanks, Brian. Our next stop on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible 
is the book of 1 Timothy. Now, Timothy had been serving God for some time and, um, and been doing so with the Apostle Paul over the years. Now he is the leader of the church in Ephesus, and Paul writes to him to offer some practical instruction about how to lead that body of believers. How should we conduct ourselves in the house of God? How do you choose elders and deacons? How do you guard against false teachers and so on? Paul covers all of that and more, and the truth is, Brian, we need to be reminded of these things today because we don't always implement the teachings here in Timothy the way we should. There's some great practical instruction to be found here in the book of 1 Timothy, and I'll get into it next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, 1 Timothy, Guarding the Sacred Trust. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.